Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I'm your host. It has been a long time since I have done a podcast, and gosh, do I miss it. Do I miss it? You guys are going to be seeing a lot more podcasts coming up. Uh, we're getting back into the uh, slinging out two week now um, and start to get this going. Um, I thought I would start big. <laughs> Although she's not going to think so. But ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show today, Jamie Tall. Jamie, welcome to Trudging Together. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um... Jamie is one of the people that I've been watching on Facebook for a little while. Um, I got caught up in her, in her, in her uh, now husband, uh, in his crazy antics. He's kind of a, he's, uh, I like the way he presents stuff. It's hilarious. He's a, he's a hilarious guy. Um, but you got to have a sense of humor. All right. Uh, but what I, I love how he uses his humor to bring in his point. He's very good at that. Um, and then you guys uh, got just recently got married. Congratulations on the prenups. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, been, not even a month yet. You guys are still really, really new. Yeah. Um, um, October 10th, we got married. So. Wow. And now you guys are doing some videos. I've noticed that uh, you're kind of doing videos, uh, teaching other people how to be in a relationship. Yes. Relationships and recovery is like a huge topic for us because um, I feel like it is one of the thing that things that kind of can take people out very quickly when they're in recovery. Absolutely. So um, we definitely like to speak and educate on it. Um, that's actually how Adam and I met, actually. Huh. A funny story. Um, I had a Facebook post on. And it was kind of like a spiritual post talking about how in early recovery, you should really um, pour into yourself and you shouldn't date and you shouldn't mm -hmm. with anyone and you should just use all your energy to like become like the person that is that you are worth and the person worth pouring into and all this. Uh -huh. And he comments on this post, this wonderful <laughs> purity post that I wrote and <laughs> put this video about 13th step in on there. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, he certainly is not afraid to speak his mind. But what I've noticed about it is he doesn't he doesn't come off offensive. So when he does it, he's not a dick about it. You know, he but he's but he's still getting his point across and I, that takes a special talent. That's a god that's God's gift to him. Absolutely. And after, after I watched the video, I realized that actually we were saying the same thing, yeah. but the way he says it and the way I say it are very different. He uses yep. that humor mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, I guess I'm geared more toward like women. So yeah. The, the, yeah. And you know, that makes sense because you know, when it comes to sexuality and, and third, let's just call it 13th stepping for women. I mean, that happens a lot whereas you know for men it's a little bit so we joke it men joke it off you know whereas women you deal with it a lot of times so it's a more serious issue absolutely um we have a rule in our group if you 13 step you're out you're done we don't we don't mess around with that stuff um it's not as serious as it as it used to be thank god Thank God we've really got now that we're moving into this emotional sobriety. I think a lot of things have changed. So, but I'd really like to talk about Jamie. So you are a certified uh, peer specialist. You live in Athens. Um, and then you were telling me you run a massage therapy. Um, yes. And I, I want to hear about that before we get to you. We are going to get to your story, but I want to hear about that. So, okay. My business is called Miracle Massage Group. And 
I started it, um, gosh, 2017. I started my business and you know, there are two things I am very passionate about. I've been studying massage therapy since 2006. Okay. Um, and so I'm super passionate about recovery and massage. Okay. And I thought what better thing to do than put these two things together. I'm, I'm loving this this protocol called recovery massage and okay. um i became certified with the georgia council on substance abuse i'm a certified addiction recovery empowerment specialist you guys that's huge georgia is huge i i'm sorry to interrupt you jamie i that just makes me very freaking excited you guys <laughs> the georgia regard that the society you're talking about is one of the bigger ones in the united states so yeah, I just wanted to throw that. Wow. Congratulations. Great job. Thank you. Um, that's kind of where I this whole thing started. I'm like, you know, I went to Georgia Council and I was like, look, I've got this idea. You know, I can take people and I can use these things that I've studied in massage, which is like essential oils, colors of lights, mm -hmm. sound frequency of music, acupressure points. Um, like affirmations, speaking affirmations while you're pressing certain acupressure points in the body. And wow. you can literally take somebody who is, you know, wanting to go out, get high, screw this, I don't want to do this anymore, to in 30 minutes being like, okay. It's not so bad. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get up and try again, you know? And um, okay. I'll give you an example. So, say that somebody comes in, they're kind of new in the sober living, you know, um, okay. still kind of detoxing, they're tired, they're, they're worn out, and they got to go walk around and job search, which is something we, you know, you have to do when you're in, in sober living, right? Yep. So um, they come to see me, they got anxiety because they have to go fill out job applications, they're feeling overwhelmed, and I have them come in and say I put on some green lights mm -hmm. for creativity. I put on some grapefruit essential oil to give them a little bit of energy and positive uplifting outlook, you know, and I'm working on them and I'm doing acupressure points, you know, in the upper back for anxiety. Wow. I'm talking to them and, and saying, you know, saying, okay, I want you to, I want you to repeat after me. I am going to be victorious today, you know, and while yes. I'm working on them and they're, they have this whole thing, you know, and then we have <laughs> music on and it was just mind blowing how literally massage could be considered relapse prevention. And I never put the two together, but I can see it clear as day now that you're describing it. Yes. And yeah. then I, I studied even more and I created a protocol for um, MAT massage. Holy so, crap. Medication assisted treatment yeah. using different essential oils. And it helped when we did, we did a case study over 500 hours here. Wow. And um, we did this case study and we found that people who were on medication assisted treatment, when they did these treatments, they felt like more calm, less side mm -hmm. effects from the medication, mm -hmm. the ability to um, taper up or down to stabilize okay. on whatever, you know, milligram dose that they need to be on. Yeah. Just yeah. Everything to go more smoothly. Wow. And it was just incredible. And so I created something at a nonprofit called the Wellness Room. Okay. Um, so I was doing massage there for free. For uh, it was at a nonprofit called Divas Who Win Freedom Center. Um, um, yeah, okay. So we we created this whole wellness room with the whole setup and everything, and I got to work on women. On um, it was it was one day a week for eight hours, where I got to work on women who were 
coming out of prostitution, human trafficking, and, wow. and recovery. And mm -hmm. um, a couple of men, but mostly women. Yeah. And it was just incredible, you know, working with them through, you know, they had been through a lot of sex trauma and things mm -hmm. like that. So being able to calm them there, you know, PTSD is huge in, in that That's area. what I'm getting ready to ask about. Yeah. Yes. Because while you're while you're talking about this, my EMDR is going off in my head. Mm -hmm. Because you're 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 triggering it by talking about that, you know. And even for a second, my eyes start going back and forth. You know, it's just an automatic. So, yeah, I wanted to ask, how would it work? Because we all know that there's no way we get out of this scot free. I mean, we tend to think, you know, we get through the steps or or whatever uh, recovery road we go down, we finish whatever portion we think, and we think that we've escaped trauma. We've think that we've escaped things, um, and we haven't. You turn around one day, and one day you're just lost at the grocery store because your memory came back. Uh, that's oh, what yeah. happened to me. Um, now, are you planning on doing tra training other people and kind of expanding this program? What are you looking at doing with this? So I, want, I either want to move to Georgia, or I want you to move here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually have started training people at the local massage school here. And so I no longer work for the nonprofit, but the wellness room is still there. And I train all the massage therapists that do work there. And we take them right out of school so they know right from the get how to do this kind of program um, and we did try to create it I tried to create a continuing education with Georgia Council on substance abuse for it and then COVID hit <laughs> yeah because and I was thinking about that I'm like you wouldn't be able to do it virtually you, you right. that would have to be a, it has to be hands-on yes stupid COVID yeah well I'm very proud of you Jamie and I don't even know you <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully in the future, we will be able to do it because you can actually do, especially the MAT treatment um, is a form of body work. So you really just need a body work certificate, not a whole state given massage license. So okay. there's, there's well, a lot of room, you know, to heck, be you could you could hook that up with a recovery coach license and you'd be good or a recovery yeah. coach certificate. Mm -hmm. And then you would still have the education that you need so that when they are talking, you know how to refer or do what you need to do as a recovery coach. Absolutely. I, I, there's a, I, I will put a recovery coach in a men's bathroom if I have to. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing. I'm putting recovery coaches everywhere. So, um, but let's get to your story. That's why we came on. I'd like to hear it. Um, we And we've still got plenty of room. Only 14 minutes into this, so we are okay. Um, so what I'm going to do from here is I'm just going to go ahead and open up the floor let you uh, and let you tell your story. And if you don't mind, I'll probably interject here and there. You'll, I'm sure people will hear me do the oohs and ahs. Um, I get very emotional during this stuff. I may cry. I usually do. So, okay. um, all right, Jimmy, the floor is yours, honey. Okay. Um, well, I like to uh, start off by saying that I uh, refer to myself as a woman in long-term recovery. Okay. And what that means to me is that it has been six and a half years since I've had to use any mood or mind-altering substances to change the way that I feel. Yeah. Um, my recovery journey started in... Uh, 2015, there were so many things that, you know, led up to that one day, that one point of surrender yeah. on July 20th. Um, and I do like to say that I believe that I was born with the disease of addiction. Okay. Yeah. I do believe that addiction and alcoholism is a disease. I do too. Um, and a disease of the brain and I've been to many many trainings to prove that true I know some yeah. people like to argue <laughs> on it but um, for me I can tell you that uh, I've been dealing with trauma and trying to change the way that I feel since I was very little yeah um, I grew up in a alcoholic household my father was an alcoholic and okay there was a lot of trauma growing up. I mean, my um, 
earliest memories were of, you know, my dad being drunk and hitting my mom, um, Mm -hmm. my mom screaming at me, I wish you were never born. Um, There was just, my my parents had me when they were 15, so there was a lot of stuff, you know? They didn't really know how to handle. Yeah, children having children, we know, I get it. Exactly. So, um, we moved around a lot. My dad was uh, affiliated. We are from uh, East Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. And my father, um, our family's from Sicily. And my wow. father got um, intertwined with some people who were, you know, in, in the mob and, and things like that. And he got, you know, into a little bit of criminal activity. Okay. So we moved around a lot. Um, it was like, and big moves, not little moves. So we would move from, uh, you know, Massachusetts to Georgia, to Georgia, to New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire, to Florida. And it was very quick. It was not like you had a whole bunch of notice. Okay. <laughs> it was like, oh, dad got in trouble for putting someone in a trunk again. We got to go. Uh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Everybody get in the trunk. We're out of here. right right so it was a lot and it was like one of these things where i of course as a person with a disease of addiction i'm i'm your typical person i never felt like i fit in it was really hard for me to make friends yeah Um, and and so with that always feeling uncomfortable in my skin and just regular things that people with addiction struggle with and so moving all the time going to 12 different schools before I even got to high school was really hard for me. And then not even being able to tell anybody, you know, because you can't tell people that. No, you you can't. That's just going to piss your parents off. And then everybody's going to get in trouble. And family's the number one thing. And you don't, you don't rat on family. Right. (laughs) So that was the the big thing. So it was really hard Um, within that I found some different escapes. Okay. Um, number one, uh, food. I had a, a thing with food where I would use food to change the way that I feel. I would okay. even hide in the bathroom and eat and then feel guilty and shameful after doing it and mm-hmm. constantly weighing myself. I, I used to starve myself at five years old and I would eat like five M&Ms and be like, I did so good. I only ate five M&Ms. And um, another thing, you know, in video games, constantly trying to change uh, the way I feel, playing hours and hours. I played Nintendo. I mean, hours of Nintendo. Then I got into books, you know, and okay. I read like uh, Sweet Valley Twins was like my book. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, I'm probably too old for that for everybody, but <laughs> Sweet Valley Twins, baby. Club. There you go. I know them. Never read them, but I know them. Right, and I would I would read them like two, three of them a day, and then I started writing my own stories, and mm-hmm. I started living this fantasy. You know, like wherever I would mm-hmm. move to, like okay, now I'm going to move here, and I'm going to be this person, and yep. this is going to be what I'm doing. You know, and just totally living in this fantasy world. Hmm. Did you know that? Did you know when you were going through that that you were in survival mode your whole child life? I did not. Okay. I did not. I was yeah. just really just trying to to make it. I had a smaller um, sister and brother, so I was the oldest. Okay. So I was always trying to keep peace, um, okay. trying to protect my mother. Um, my father was one of these alcoholics where it was like you never knew what you were coming home to. Was okay. I going to come home to this, my daddy, and he was going to be playing video games with me and we were going to eat snacks? Or was I going to come home and he was going to like smash the whole house to pieces and be mm-hmm. my mom, you know? Yep. So that was, it was, that was a lot. And, you know, again, with all this going on, never being able to talk to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. So when I finally got to high school, I don't know what happened. I guess my dad kind of like he got older, he calmed down, my mom intervened, whatever it was, we moved to New Hampshire. 
and things settled down. And I actually stayed in New Hampshire for several years. It was the first time I ever stayed somewhere for a long time. And um, I was, you know, was always a really good student, did did really well. Um, I had experimented with alcohol. I had tried to take one drink of alcohol when I was 11. I had a bad day at school, right? And I decided <laughs> I was going to chug a glass of vodka because I'm just watching what dad does, right? Dad yeah. has a bad day. He drinks. It works for him. Yeah, that's what I'll do. So <laughs> I chugged right. a glass of vodka and then ended up throwing up and uh, didn't do that again. Um, <laughs> try, you know, tried cigarettes at 13. Yeah. <laughs> tried to do all that with like my cousin and, and I didn't like it, didn't like it at all. Um, but when I got to high school, I finally got my first group of friends. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting and, on that. <laughs> yes. And I remember um, I went to a party and this was the first time that drugs and alcohol became my solution. Okay. So I went to this party. Um I was, you know, feeling very uncomfortable, feeling very anxious, trying to, you know, get in where I fit in. Um, they were drinking, they were drinking boons, the, the colored, all the colored boons, and uh, smoking pot. And this is like 1996. And I remember all of a sudden something clicked in my brain. And okay. all of a sudden I was funny and I was charming. Yep. And people mm-hmm. liked me and they mm-hmm. wanted to talk to me and they wanted to be my friend. And I was like, this is it. Yeah. I have found the answer to all of my problems. <laughs> and you, you know, what's funny is what you just told yourself there was affirmations. And we yeah. can all, because we utilized affirmations. I know, I just now saw it. Because I went through the same thing. Suddenly, I was funny. I was all the things that I wanted to be. Yeah. So, you know, wow. So I, you can't think it. You would be hard convinced. Tell me, hey, Dion. No, that's not the case at that point. <laughs> exactly. So, wow. Exactly. Neat, how, neat how those tie. Mm-hmm. And 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 I finally found my group of friends. Right. Yeah. So I finally fit in somewhere it was such a relief you know um and i hung out with these people all the time and um you know just did did the high school the high school thing right we were like smoking pot and doing some you know some psychedelics here and there like watching funny movies eating mushrooms like (laughs) you know just normal stuff um and i wish that it could have just stayed like that because that would have been just so awesome yeah well sure heck would (laughs) have but it it just didn't stay it didn't stay like that (laughs) so um my my disease definitely progressed you know i got into uh all of the stuff after that the especially the uppers uppers were huge for me because they helped control my appetites and i still had this thing with you know weight and trying to control my weight and not eating and and all these kind of disordered eating things okay and so uh, the uppers were like, you know, that was my next solution. Like, oh, these, they make me skinny and then I can stay up and I can do all these things and I'm not hungry. And this is my solution now, you know, mm-hmm. went through that. I ended up getting in like a little bit of trouble here and there. I remember I got busted for shoplifting at JCPenney. Oh, this was the worst. Um, <laughs> so I go, I'm, I'm, I'm high. I'm up for like three days. Right. And okay. I, I'm going, me and my girl, we have this um, little thing, this little criminal thing going on with JCPenney's where we're going and we're stealing from one JCPenney. And yes. then at the time, you could return to JCPenney mm-hmm. for up to $100. With so no receipt. Steal from one, yes, with no receipt. Steal from <laughs> one, drive 20 miles, return to another one. And we're doing this and we're up for three days. And then... Uh, I don't know what happened. I guess I went in the JCPenney to steal something, came out and forgot that I just went in there and stole and tried to return it. <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah. And so, you know, they, they, they got me. Um, the crazy thing was that my dad was security for JC Penny down the road. (laughs) So (laughs) that was really bad. And he was really mad about that. I'm sure he was. Yeah. He was really (laughs) mad about that. Um, and I think I, I don't even think I was 18 yet. I think I was still 17 at the time, but, um, so I think I got like a suspended sentence. The judge gave me a suspended sentence. Over yeah, it probably wasn't. Yeah, slap on the hand. Don't do it again, or next right. time you're gonna get in trouble. Exactly, exactly. And um, you know, but I still, you know, I did, I did well. I went to college, and and uh, I was a, a cheerleader for my college. It was crazy. I don't even know how I was doing it. I was cheerleading for the basketball team and taking ten strips of acid on the weekends. I don't even know how I managed it all. Oh. But I ended up with um, a degree in business science and psychology. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and made it made it um, almost to a bachelor's degree in international business. Wow. Um, but, you know, something happened. There was like a bad breakup. You know, anything mm-hmm. can trigger you when you are, are dealing with, with addiction. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One thing happens. You got no coping skills, right? So yep. th- this boyfriend, you know, broke up with me. He broke my heart. He cheated on me. And I decided I'm going to go live with some girl in New York for a month or something. And it was it was terrible. It was the choices. Yeah. And it never makes any sense. Mm-mm. Now never. that I look back on it, it's like, how did that how would that even solve that problem? <laughs> You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense of the stuff we do, uh, especially it's not crazy. because I I moved back and got back with him. That was like, <laughs> <laughs> dropped out of college, screwed it all up. But but anyway, I was just you know I lived a party lifestyle, but I worked. Okay. I worked. I went to school. I I I was still at this point in my disease where things were manageable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until they weren't, and that was when I got pregnant. And being pregnant, uh, you can't really get high anymore. You know, I yeah. mean, you can, but it's just frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, people don't people don't look at you too well when you're <laughs> hitting the crack pipe at eight months. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, ended up making a geographical change. Try to get sober. Okay. Uh, did did well my first pregnancy. Uh, I have a 17 year old son now, and I mean he, you know, I was I was sober through through the pregnancy, and everything was fine until he was about 18 months, and and I thought, well, okay, I can probably just have a drink now. You know what I mean? It'll, it'll be totally fine. Mm-hmm. And it was the craziest thing when I had that one drink. It was like. I went right back to yep. where I was before I stopped. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind. I didn't understand. Like, man, how am I back here getting all messed up, staying up for days, all trash, you know? Yeah. And had to give my son to my mom and all of this. It was just crazy. Um, and then I got pregnant with my daughter. I was, uh, she's 11 now. And when I got pregnant with her, I was addicted to pain pills. Okay. And that was really hard. Um, you know, yeah. I went through I went through all the drugs, right? Like I I went from got off crack to get on pain pills because I was like, oh, this is much more manageable, right? Mm-hmm. And got on pain pills, and uh, then got pregnant with my daughter, and then I was in some deep shit because I was seriously physically dependent on these pills. Yeah, and I'm pregnant. And at about seven months, I end up coming clean to my doctor that I'm addicted to these pills. Mm-hmm. She tells me that, um, you know, well, we'll just have to put your daughter, you know, we'll just watch her. We'll just keep her for a couple of days in the NICU and we'll watch her and we'll see, you know, how she does. Um, and of course, as soon as I had her, defects took her right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My mom ended up getting custody of her, you know, as okay. well. But my mom, like, it was like they had it so I wasn't even allowed it in the same room unsupervised with my children. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. then, what you know, now if you have a baby and you have uh, a problem, you can have a, a recovery coach and the people in mm. the 
in the hospital will help you. You know, DFACS has accountability treatment court. I mean, different things. Mm -hmm. When I had my daughter, they didn't have any of that. So it was yeah. basically like a lot of shaming, a lot of judging. With me feeling tough love. Yes. With me feeling so guilty as it was to have a a child, you know, and when I had her, um, she had to stay with you for six weeks. Wow. She was really sick. She mm -hmm. they put her on uh phenobarbital and morphine, and that is how they detoxed her off oh, of wow. the pain pills. And yeah. I was devastated. I was guilt-ridden. I was full of shame. Mm -hmm. I couldn't hit anybody in the face. I just wanted to die. And that really put me in a, a pretty bad downward spiral. But it yeah. also took me to a point where I started to get this idea that maybe I needed help. Yeah. And it's, I, I went to detox for the first time. I did try to do um, medication-assisted treatment for okay. me. Personally, I was not successful in it because I wasn't working a program of recovery with it also. Mm -hmm. So for me, it didn't work. Every time I went to the methadone clinic, the counselor would, would call me in like once a week and be like, why are you trying to kill yourself? And I'm like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? And he's like, well, you scored 100 on your drug test again. Yeah. Like, Guess it was a good week. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I just ready to quit yeah. and there was a lot of things that happened um i ended up running away and like getting married to some like crazy guy who tried to convince me that he was god uh it was, it was like so much dumb stuff that i did you know um and it wasn't until i ended up getting in a little bit of trouble i got okay arrested um schedule one two three four and five <laughs> just just a little bit of everything is a little <laughs> bit of everything. it was a typical tuesday night you know no big deal yeah and yeah and did went to jail they put me on um four years of first offenders probation okay basically what what that meant was that I had to pass a drug test and not mm -hmm. get in trouble for four years or I was going yeah. to go to prison. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. I you, the, When you brought it up, it scared the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. I yeah. could feel I could feel the fear in that when you brought it up. Yeah. It's a long time mm -hmm. to, for me not to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when I'm trying to stay out of trouble, that's a long time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, so I ended up um, trying to figure out a hundred different ways that I could get out of this situation. And you know, can I manage it on my own? Maybe I can quit. You know, maybe I can if I just drink during the week. If I mm -hmm. just use drugs when I pay for them with my own money. If I only <laughs> do it after 10 o'clock, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. trying to manipulate all of these ways that, you know, I could control this addiction. I can pass these drug tests. I can do these things. And I just knew deep down that I, I didn't, I wasn't going to be able to do it. Number one. And number two, yeah. I was sick and tired of waking up every day, pissed off that I woke up. Um, I hear that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I felt that one. Um, you know, I was homeless at the time. I okay. remember I was I was walking down the street in uh, Gwinnett County with a garbage bag on my back because I didn't have any place to put my belongings. Um, mm -hmm. Being homeless, I was trying to figure out who I was going to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate from for another night in the hotel room. You know, and I was really tired of having to sleep with people to stay at their house. Mm -hmm. um, prostitution and sex work is a huge part of my story. Okay. That is basically how I um, survived and mm -hmm. got high, got places to stay, um, was through that. And I was tired 
of giving people a piece of myself that they didn't deserve. Yeah. So a friend of mine who had just gotten out of prison calls me up in the beginning of July in 2015 and tells me, hey, just got out of prison. I'm going to this sober living in Athens and I think you should come. And it was just like something clicked inside of me. And okay. I'm walking down the street of Gwinnett County with a garbage bag on my back. And I just put the garbage bag down and I was like, yeah, I'll go. And yeah. it was like the doors just opened from there. I, I found someone who was willing to help me with the entry fees to go into the sober living. Wow. I went in, I mean, within three days of being there, I had a job, which I hadn't had a job in so long. Mm. <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> for me to have a job. Um, and it was like everything, you know, just opened up. The path opened up. And the crazy thing was, this is this is super crazy. I knew I was in the right place because okay. when I was in in jail right before I was in jail, I had okay. been dreaming about this place. And when I got to the sober living facility in Athens, I walked out back and that was the place that I was dreaming about. <laughs> Love it. And I was like, this is it. This is yeah. where I'm supposed to be. And, you know, I moved into a house with 12 girls and it was, it, it reminded me of like some kind of like sober sorority house. It was, it was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the coolest part about it is they were all trying to do the same thing that I was. They were all yeah. trying to do something different with their life. They were all trying to mend relationships <laughs> with their family. <clears throat> they were all trying to get, um, get visitation with their kids. And mm -hmm. <laughs> for once in my life, I didn't feel alone. That's it. I had... Yes, I had a I had a bed that was mine. That was mm -hmm. that I, I get that. Yep. Nobody was gonna mess with me in that bed. <clears throat> um, I had half a closet and three drawers <laughs> in a dresser to put my yeah. stuff down. I didn't have to carry my stuff with me out anywhere. There was food in the fridge. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about how am I gonna eat today. Yeah, there was a shower and I had shampoo and soap and it was just like just everything that I needed and it was stable and it was safe. Mm -hmm. And I remember the the women's director sitting at a table across from me and I was still, um, you know, kind of detoxing like the third day. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> I was still kind of messed up. And she said to me, do you know why you're here? And I was like, not really. And she said, you're here because somebody saw something in you that mm -hmm. you couldn't see for yourself. Yep. And that has stuck with me for six and a half. Wow. And for one minute, she said that I had the idea that maybe was worth something. And maybe there was a purpose for my life mm -hmm. because I was the kind of person that, you know, I had this void of me that I tried to fill with so many different things. I tried to fill it with drugs. I tried to fill mm -hmm. it with sex. I tried to fill it with um, you know, relationships and fall pride and fall and all these things that I was searching for trying to, to fill this void in I found when I to recovery mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> I started when I came into recovery you know, followed suggestions I followed suggestions they said okay you need to go to meetings so I did they mm -hmm. said you need to get a sponsor so I did they said, you need a free day. <laughs> as awkward as that was, I did. And I started working steps yeah. and doing these things, um, you know, and, 
and I started speaking and sharing my experience with other people in recovery. Yeah. And when I had um, about 90 days sober, I started speaking at the um, crisis intervention unit out here. Wow. Okay. And story. And it was like seeing people's eyes light up. Yeah. And I finally found my purpose. Like, <laughs> this is why I'm here. Yeah. And within six months of being sober, um, I got baptized. Faith is a huge part of my recovery, my okay. faith and my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um so I started working step um you know step one step three I was having some trouble with step Good. three God turned my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him well God is that, is that you are this really scary guy up there bolts and <laughs> <laughs> And me to hell be terrible things I've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was about learning and building this relationship with the God of my understanding. Uh-huh. And you know, then when I four and five, it was sharing all of the things inside of me with another person and trusting that they number one were gonna tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> And know too that they weren't going to judge me on it. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm just gonna, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I need to interrupt just real quick. The mm -hmm. sound's kind of going in and out, so turn off your camera, and I'll bring the sound back up. Turn right here. Uh, yeah, turn your camera off. There you go, and your sound should get a little bit better. It wasn't bad. It was just starting to go a little bit, and I didn't want it to go bad. So okay. you sound great Do now. Oh, so keep yeah, it keep, off. Oh, yeah, you keep on. Yeah, keep it off. You're good now. Okay. Um, so when I did my step four or five, I remember it was like 50 pounds of bricks came off of me. Mm -hmm. It was the most amazing experience. But to this, um, this step three you know, of creating the relationship with the God I understand. And I remember I took my, you know, my fourth step home. My, after I, you know, shared it with my sponsor, she told me, I take this home and I want you to meditate on it. And I was okay. like, great. I already just told you everything. Now you want me to keep reading all the terrible <laughs> things I've done. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I did. And, you know, I had this very, um, this conversation, this very honest, rigorous, honest conversation with the God of my understanding, I said, God, I don't even know how you feel about me. Hmm. I have just like, totally like bore everything in my whole soul and told this person the thing that I've done wrong. And I'm supposed to turn mm -hmm. my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions to your care and trust mm -hmm. you. But I don't even know how you feel about me. Yeah. <laughs> And this day, I had visitation daughter. So okay. I was at my mom's house. All right. My daughter was sitting at this five years old, six years old at the time. She had food all over her face. Her hair was a mess. She was scribbling on, um, scribbling with some crayons and, you know, a piece of paper. And I was just looking at her like, this is the most amazing creature I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> she is so amazing. I just adore her. <laughs> I heard God speak to me in that moment. And he said, uh -huh. that is how I look at you. Aww. And that just really like changed everything. Yeah. Finally, oh, what, an what an epiphany to have. Mm -hmm. Yes. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that guilt and that shame that I carried from all mm -hmm. the terrible things that I 
with, you know, my daughter and my son Mm -hmm. and all of the, you know, selling my body, everything. Mm -hmm. God started to heal it and he started to speak on it. And Mm -hmm. that just made me on fire for recovery. It made me on (laughs) for it. And I just really dove in, you know, home group meetings, sharing meetings, service positions, and just telling people about recovery and how amazing it is and how you really can change your life. Mm -hmm. Just one choice, you know, it was that one choice that day. When I was looking at County with that garbage bag on my back, it was that one moment where I said, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. And and you were, you were even asking God at the time what you were going to do that day. Maybe you consciously weren't asking him. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was 19, I went through a similar situation where I was walking down the street to, uh, I was walking down the street to Jesus saves. And, uh, to uh, get a bed for the night of course it was like five o'clock there was no way i was getting a bed i didn't know that but there was a guy in front of me um and he had a six-pack in his hand and uh you know i was about a, a block away from jesus save so i wasn't really in the best area of town and uh he said come on in and i went walking in and turned out he didn't he had a six-pack of pepsi it wasn't beer the aa symbol was on the wall and i said well fuck they got me again <laughs> It, it turns wow. out that it, it turns out it was a it was a homeless it was a shelter for homeless alcoholics, and I would stay there for the next year. So, I that's why I really enjoyed that part of your story. I could really I could really vibe with that part of of God intervening. I mean, literally intervening to change the course of my life. Yes, divine intervention. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, uh, you know, not long after that, um, I decided that I would take 18 months and I was going to pour into myself and my life because I finally the woman worth pouring. And mm-hmm. so for 18 months, I did not date and I did not go, you know, go out and like, you know, be, be super social. What I did is I really buckled down um, and I started, I actually got my, got my massage license mm-hmm. and just worked really hard. And I were living for three, three and a half years. Wow. Because I was terrified that I was going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. So I stayed. Um, after about a year and a half, I had my own apartment. It was like a, a big property. We have this like big, huge property here. Okay. Uh, and a men's center. So I had my own apartment and I worked really hard and I got in front of every single person that I could find. And I said, hi, I'm Jamie and I'm a massage therapist. Let me Mm-hmm. <laughs> just basically like crazy marketed to everybody started working on all the recovery community mm-hmm. and started developing that that protocol and seeing how much um, massage can really help in recovery yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I went and you know apply uh, a, a peer specialist for disease on substance abuse and Okay. That was amazing. So now, you know, I'm certified with them. Um, created the wellness room at the, the Divas Wood Center where the, uh, women have the opportunity to re-massage now from therapists and students who are, who are learning to be massage therapists. Um, mm-hmm. um, my business is... Uh, this year, I won Dodge of the Year for Athens. Best to the best wow. of Athens. Um, I have an an amazing amazing clientele. They all my patients know about my story. They support 
recovery. And mm-hmm. I feel like every one of them was like handpicked by me. <laughs> to yeah. be like, and it's like whenever, whenever my patients, whenever I get one, they just stay with me. Like they just yeah. <laughs> So, um, super busy, you know, going from homeless to having your own business, um, Mm -hmm. and then working with the, I became certified to teach recovery also at the same treatment center that I went to. Wow. (laughs) And now I run the board of director of that treatment center. So it is just amazing way of you know, staying in the boat, mm-hmm. <laughs> very involved, um, and service. Service yeah. is what I call my love language in recovery. So okay. I give love and receive love is through service. And that is how I stay sober. I, I did, I did do, I've done, you know, all the, all the steps I've pathways right so i did a then i did aa then i did celibate recovery i did a little bit of trouble um <laughs> so i believe I, I believe that there's a season for everything you know mm-hmm. what depending on in that season of your recovery you know that's what you need to do but i believe that you know you never should stop working on yourself and digging mm-hmm. deep because like we were talking about before that trauma and those memories can pop up at any time so it's yeah. important not to ever like oh okay now i've got six and a half years not myself anymore Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I what I tell people, I tell people AA and the A's are not a self help program. They are a help yourself program. Mm-hmm. So help yourself to any of them. Yeah. Um, the only reason I I uh, I go to AA more is because of the structure. But that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit older, so I like my my uh, structure. Mm-hmm. Plus, being Virgo, I really like it. But, uh, yeah, there is certainly not one way to get sober. You know, AA isn't the only way. There's there's so many different paths out there. And even in the big book, it says, all right, you're done. Now go give it away. <laughs> you, now the work's begun. <laughs> so, yes, um, absolutely. I'm, a, I'm big on service work also. I love my service work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I love how you talked about multiple pathways. You know, now they have yoga 12-step recovery. Mm-hmm. They have all recoveries. They have Buddha recoveries. They have everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, yeah. so crazy. Like, it's cool to go visit all of them. And, I mean, I just, <clears throat> people, you know, I in recovery, they would be like, oh, it's, it's only, you know, and that's it and now it's like there's so many different pathways and i just love every community has open-minded um itself so much to create Mm -hmm. all of these different things to help any kind of person that needs recovery there is something for them yeah well and what's neat is they're not changing the steps they're just changing the arena Exactly. So they're setting, you know, there's depending on your comfort level and what you enjoy and how you like to learn is where you can go now. Mm-hmm. You're still going to do the work. So if right. you don't want to do the work, you might as well just not go to any of them uh, <laughs> because right. they're not going to do not going to do you any good. Um, so and the, you know the one thing I don't like is when people start saying, "Well, this one's better than that one," or do the comparison kind of stuff. It's like, no. It's all it for me. It is the same. It's just mm-hmm. a different arena, and that's right. okay. Exactly, and you learn something. That's why I did all of them. You know, all the yeah. ones that I did because I learned something new about myself and 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 healed from different things. Mm-hmm. Each one that I went through, and I, you know, I kind of got like addicted to, to doing steps, all the different steps. <laughs> it was because it worked, you know, and it does, and and, and it's alleviating to us. Yes, it's very alleviating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know. Oh, man, 
or too many too many thoughts in the head at once you know so you know it's kind of like when you talk about success you know for me success isn't about um you know how many followers i have for me as success is did i help that one person today that i was supposed to um if i did more than that today fantastic um, but I have to be careful because I'm the same way as you because then I get then I then I don't take care of myself and we got to watch that too with the kind of stuff we do so um, yeah make sure you take care of yourself also while you're out there kicking all that ass yes I just did a, a YouTube video about that yeah and I created, Good. created my YouTube channel Jamie Tall and nice. so yeah so we we just actually um, put out one about self-care and recovery a lot okay. of my videos talk about self-care because me being the the massage spokesperson sure <laughs> yeah i have to preach preach um self-care but also i have to practice what i preach that, <laughs> so. and, that and that's it when you are uh, you know when you're influencers and you do this stuff you you have to i the what i tell people is that uh is that I lead through experience. So I just lead with my experience. So that way um, it's always true. And that way I'm never stepping out of my lane. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have found over this last year that finding the right arenas to talk in the right places is always good for me. Um, and, uh, and, you know, utilizing those places too. So, um, gee, I've really had a great time having you on. <laughs> me too me too i love I, it and i think i'd like to get you know if there's people out there um let's give out some of your stuff on how people can get in touch with you i'm gonna write it down make sure that it gets posted um what are some uh where do you prefer people to uh, find you at do you do you prefer facebook youtube yeah you can just search hashtag jamie tall on all platforms okay yep and then um jamietall.com is a coaching service. Um, I also have a private recovery coaching service, so they can okay. email me through that website. Okay. But do you do, you do tell? Uh, I just because I'm curious, you do telehealth too? I do. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I'm in Colorado. If I need to send somebody to you, I need to make sure that. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're 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 nationally certified, so you can do that. Whereas I'm certified for Colorado, so I cannot. <laughs> but we're all getting there, right? What were what were we talking about that in the beginning? Is that everybody kind of has their spot in it, you know? And that's what's neat about recovery because depending on your passion, you can find it. You can find it in the program. I think I may have lost Definitely. you. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think our sound is starting oh. to go out. <laughs> okay. So, well, Jamie, again, thank you for thank you very much for being on, and um, you know, uh, to the the guests, our guests out there, I will um, uh, post anything in case you'd like to reach out to Jamie, maybe ask her questions. Uh, if you're in Georgia, you might be able to get a massage. Be nice to Adam. So. <laughs> what I'd like to what I'd like to take out of this is, you know, I don't know Jamie very well, but our stories and even though I'm male and she's female are a lot alike about how we felt moving around a lot and then finally feeling at home. You know, that's a big thing for me. So so if you're out there struggling, come home, man. Come home. The you know, the heat's on. There's a, there's a warm bed. Jamie, the other thing that I appreciated you bringing up was uh, housing first. I appreciated that. Um, I've been homeless myself. And gosh, it is so much easier to get and stay sober when you know where you're sleeping that night. Yes, recovery capital is, is huge. That's one thing that we learn in our teaching is that the more recovery capital that a person has, you know, a job, a place to live, clothing, mm -hmm. a car, the that actually has to do with how long they can stay sober for. Yes, it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I simplized it and started calling them accountability buddies, but that's actually what that is, 
if I'm trying to <clears throat> trying to you know something that holds them in you feel responsible to someone or mm-hmm. or something else and I'll make you change your actions mm-hmm. uh, because you feel responsible all right well I don't know how many times I could thank you for being on this will be the third time um, but thank you very much for being on um, and then uh, for my audience thank you very much for being here uh, this is Dion with uh, trudging together raw recovery Thank you. I love you all. You know I do. Peace out and have a day.